Chapter Thirty of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Ma Bennett, fairly brimming over with details of her visit to Mrs. Adelbert Cummings, arrived home on the following afternoon, she found her daughter surrounded by breadths of shimmering white material, which she was busily engaged in fashioning into a gown. For land's sake, Malviny! exclaimed the old lady. That looks like a wedding dress. Miss Malvina's needle described a sort of flying arc of basting stitches about a small arm size. Mm, tis, she said briefly. Who in creation's going to get married? inquired Ma. I bet you couldn't guess if you was to try a year, twinkled Miss Malvina. Twas unbeknownst to me till yesterday. Ma Bennett sat down heavily, her eyes blinking behind her far-sighted specks. "'Is it Sadie Buckthorn?' she inquired. "'I heard she's keeping company with a young man from Boston.' "'Nope,' said Miss Malvina, inserting a long seam under the needle of her machine and snapping down the presser foot. "'Tain't nobody you'd ever think, nor me neither, for that matter. I thought I should have had a double duck fit when I heard of it. Ma Bennett gazed searchingly at her daughter's face during the deafening whir which marked the passage of the shining white stuff under the busy needle. "'You do look kind of worked up even yet,' she commented. "'When's the wedding coming off?' "'A Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock at the parsonage,' particularised Miss Malvina, smiles rippling over her face like breezes over a wheat-field. "'My!' I guess most everybody'll be some surprise when it gets out on Thursday. Malviny Bennett, who's a going to get married? demanded Ma, with rising asperity. You certainly can be the aggravatingest person when you've a mind to. Oh, you're invited to the ceremony, Ma, offered Miss Malvina, evading the maternal wrath with a demure smile of protest. Me invited? I don't believe no such thing. True's preaching, and so be I, ma. I got out your best black silk this morning early while I was waiting for the stores to open, and I fixed the waist and put some real handsome lace on the sleeves. You look scrumptious, ma. What you going to wear, Malviny? inquired the old lady suspiciously. I'll bet you're just foolin' anyhow. I should think you'd rather hear me tell about Miss Adelbert Cummins's new parlour furniture. Miss Malvina canted her curly head to one side as she gazed earnestly at the inchoate garment in her lap. I got to hurry so like all possessed to get this here dress done by tomorrow night. I ain't really got time to dig up any curiosity, she said. It's a going to be made up princess with a trail. I can't abide these ere short skirts with a breadth of goods tacked on the back like they're wearing now. This ere's going to be a regular wedding dress. How'd you like the goods, ma? Ain't it shiny and pretty? Kind of like my hair when you come to think of it. I guess it would be right becoming to me. Well, I guess you've gone plumb crazy, ma Finney, commented the old lady sternly. I want a cup of tea, and I want it good and hot. 
teapots on the stove ma oh, see don't you want to know who's a going to step off in this here dress don't know as i do sniffed ma when folks is as smart and uppity as you be i believe in letting them alone till they get good and ready it's me ma cried miss malvina laughing but with a mist in her eyes which momentarily obscured the glistening bridal web i'm a going to marry our neighbour mr desay so we can go to the war over in france and leave madeline you see i'll be her stepma and you'll be her grandma oh, won't that be lovely malviny bennett screamed the old lady you ain't telling me the gospel truth yes i be ma it's just as true as i'm a settin here in this chair a sewin on my own weddin dress he asked me yesterday and i says yes oh thinks i folks ought to accommodate their neighbours want to see my engagement ring confronted with this visible token of the impending event ma bennett gasped ain't you some older than he is she inquired feebly oh, i don't know and i don't care a cotton hat stated miss malvina no one nothing said about ages but i guess he ain't so awful young but what he knows his mind and i ain't neither the little dressmaker's head drooped low over the buttonhole she was fashioning tain't well tain't so to say a wedding like most folks she breathed uh, he's a-going off the same day on the eleven o'clock train we're going to have supper over to his house and he wants we should go over there to live after he's gone he's bought the house off mrs reverend pettibone and put it in my name he says you and me'll never have to want ma he's got everything fixed so there'll be money coming in regular with a dote for madeline settin out when she comes to get married and all there ain't nothing he ain't thought of and madeline she says she loves me like a mare already that don't mean a horse ma though it does sound like it where'd you say is a goin inquired the old lady to boston she appeared to have retreated into the dim mists of age where echoes from the outer world reached the ears faintly she fumbled with her bonnet strings her old hands trembling oh land i ought to have got your art tea first off said her daughter contritely here you sit right down ma and i'll get it ready in two jerks of a lamb's tail you're all tuckered out what with your visit and all mrs pettibone was attired in her best brocade dress exhibiting large purple flowers on a black background though it was only half-past three in the afternoon it was a handsome dress mrs pettibone rustled in its ample folds so richly that the baby's wide bright eyes exhibited his pleased surprise he even refrained from his wonted squeal when his mother invested his small person in a clean white dress the sleeves of which were a trifle small as compared with his chubby fists you've got to wear it precious cooed mrs pettibone because auntie bennett made it for you and you're going to stand up at her wedding there now mother's lamb oh, my how sweet he is 
Oh, don't it seem a pity, Silas? Mr. Pettibone, engaged in knotting a fresh white tie, glanced at his family with a grave smile. Do you mean it's a pity the baby is sweet, my dear? he inquired. Oh, of course not. I was thinking of Malvina. Oh. oh, seeing the baby looking so perfectly darling, well, you know, I couldn't help thinking how dreadful to be a widow on one's wedding day. It amounts to that, of course. If he goes to France and gets killed... It is just possible Monsieur Dessay may survive, suggested the minister. Some do, you know. He's going to offer his breast to the German bayonets. Malvina said so. Oh, and if a person does that... I believe they're coming, my dear Philura, interposed the minister hastily. Do try and be your optimistic self. One should hold the thought. Yes, of course. I'm going to insist that he's coming back safe some day or other. Silas... Do you think we're going to have war in this country? The minister was saved from the pain of avowing his convictions on this point by the arrival of the wedding party, and presently they were all gathered in the hushed parlour which had witnessed so many marriages in days past. Miss Malvina in her snowy splendours, Monsieur de Say stern and pale as he thought of his future, Ma Bennett dim and ancient as some faded daguerreotype. Madeline, tremulous between grief and joy, and Harry Schwartz, awed into almost rigid gravity by the talk he had had with Madeline's father a few hours since. Mrs. Pettibone, in her rustling brocade, reminiscent of her own wedding, held her baby close while the solemn words were being spoken, from the dearly beloved we are assembled to the final sonorous Amen. There followed the strange little silence, which seems quite as much a part of the ceremony as the wedding ring. Then Monsieur de Say, looking very tall and elegant in his rather shabby frock coat with the tricolour of France in its buttonhole, bent over his bride and deliberately kissed her on the lips. My wife, he whispered, with all the generous warmth of a nature which could envision the belated and frostbitten romance she would cherish to the end. Yet it was not a sad wedding. The bride wore a radiant look which forbade all futile sympathy. Oh, he was bound to go anyhow, she told Mrs. Pettibone. And now I've got a right to think of him affectionate, and I can talk everything over with Madeline. Besides, Mammy's going to live in a nice house with running water and all, and we'll have Madeline to love and to cherish. Her voice broke a little over the last words, but her smile was all sunshine as she embraced and kissed the girl who wept in her arms. That's right, dearie, she soothed her. Just you cry it out on mother's shoulder and you'll feel better. Oh, and here's Harry a longing to comfort you too. Oh, we're a going to take care of this little girl, ain't we, Harry? Yes, Miss Malvina, said Harry firmly. We will. Mrs. Pettibone, holding up the baby to be kissed, smiled. We shall all be obliged to remember that our dear Miss Malvina is Madame de Say now, she said. 
the bride looked startled madame de say she repeated wonderingly well i declare to goodness that part of it never occurred to me i've been so took up with all that's happened and like that oh but here i be sure as you live madame de say well i guess but reflections of a practical sort could wait until to-morrow of to-day her wedding-day there yet remained several golden hours as bright as the shining new ring upon her hand which monsieur de say had put there to keep the other company there was the supper for one thing cooked and served by mrs louisa wessels with divers amendments by madeline to be sure no one of the party with the possible exception of ma bennett knew what they were eating miss malvina miss no longer sat at the head of the table in her shining bridal white with monsieur de say opposite harry and madeline their hands clasped under the cloth faced ma who was informing mrs wessels that the tea was stone cold if i wasn't teetotally flabbergasted declared mrs wessels as she described the scene later in the various kitchens of her clientele i dunno as i'd have believed my ears if anybody had told me about that dinner oh yes mum they had wine but twas this here kind made in france that they say don't make folks drunk it didn't make me drunk for i took down so much as a teacupful out in the kitchen afterwards and i only broke one vegetable dish and two of them cash rolls as she calls em i says to miss malvina ain't you a member of the w c t u i says just like that hush says she it's only for this one says she to drink toast with toast i says i ain't made no toast and what's more i ain't a-goin' to you got more enough as it is i says well they kept it up for more than an hour i didn't get home till past nine o'clock she wanted i should wash up all them dishes and i done it oh, yes mum she sat there eatin' her potatoes and meat in a white silk dress all trimmed up with lace and pearl tossels and a big bunch of white roses a-layin alongside on the table mm, yes i should a thought she'd a wanted to put on something plainer to eat her victuals in but she didn't and by and by i seen her out in the yard with him <gasps> yes m she was a trailing that there white dress o' hern right down the front steps no mum I, I didn't catch what he said to her but he's gone all right that foreign girl of his'n told me he was going to the war when she give me my two dollars yes mum he left her a grass widow the same day they was married but i guess she'll be sawed all right afore the year's out he'll either get drownded by one of them nasty suds marines they talk so much about or else he'll get killed over there there ain't so much to pick and choose betwixt em says i to georgie but it was not of their uncertain future the newly wedded pair spoke as they walked arm in arm in the moonlight that the moon chanced to be at its full was a matter for wondering happiness to the bride i always kind of hankered to go walking in the moonlight along with the bow she confided to her companion and here i be a walking out with you his hand sought hers 
of a possibility we shall again make together the promenade he said it is of this you must think after a pause he added i have still the regret profond for madeleine my daughter should not marry with a german who harry harry ain't a german of course he ain't lots of times i heard mrs schwartz her as twas melissy meadowcroft tell about her great-grandfather captain meadowcroft he was english way back in the old colony days and he married a real injun princess i forget her name so you see harry ain't german no more'n i be he's real american harry is and he'll take awful good care of madeline he's a-goin to build a brand new house miss schwartz told ma so monsieur desaye shook his head not a present he said i have advised him no for now beyond the skies in america are dark with war aussi your country owes to france the red blood of petigot he glanced hurriedly at his watch but of this suffisamment to you cher ami i devote my last moment you will be happy n'est-ce pas all my best treasure i am leave with you her upturned face pale with anticipated grief seemed the face of youth in the dim moonlight i'm a-goin to miss you something fierce she confessed oh but i'm glad i-i can love you after you've gone you won't mind way out there of course i know why we was married and all i ain't a-goin to worry madeline none be taken on i'm a-goin to be real bright and cheerful and take good care of your best treasure ah you have loved me a little n'est-ce pas he wondered how oh, i am happy to hear that in france i remember my wife and my child together in my heart toujours then because her steadfast face quivered beneath his gaze he gathered the small white figure in his arms together in my heart always he murmured End of chapter thirty